Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Good morning, welcome to Friday's Cork Today. Our lines are open, 0818-103-103. Bernie taking your calls and comments across the show. And you can always text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. You can email corktoday at c103.ie. And ahead on the programme very shortly, we'll be hearing an update from the Ashling Murphy trial at the Central Criminal Court in Dublin. Also, why action is needed on rubbish building up behind people's homes, resulting in bad smells and attracting vermin to the neighbourhood. It's an issue in a lot of towns across Cork and what appears to be happening is people aren't going and paying for waste disposal. Uh, They're dumping their domestic waste in their back garden or backyard. We'll be speaking to one Cork County councillor who was raising the issue. Councillor Noel McCarthy from Formoy has been approached by a number of people in Formoy on this issue. He'll join us this morning on the programme. And also we're going to hear from uh, who really is a very inspirational young lady Uh, She suffered a stroke in her 20s and following being in and out of hospital for rehab and a lot more, she decided to get back on top of her life. So uh, with the aftermath of a stroke, she decided again and she had to, of course, learn to walk, learn to talk. And then she went ahead and completed a university degree. Uh, She'll join us this morning along with the Irish Heart Foundation. And following on from yesterday's concerns surrounding the HSE, who for older people in hospital this winter, once they are ready for discharge but may need extra care, rather than taking beds up in a hospital, a lot of these older patients will be transferred to a nursing home. Now, nothing unusual with this, but what is concerning is that the nursing home they may be transferred to will not be local. It depends what nursing home becomes available. And you'd hope it would be a local one, but if not, family are expressing concern because they feel their loved one could be located miles from them and it may upset the loved one but also family who were trying to visit them uh, and while most of the time the HSC do look for some place close to home uh, due to the rising numbers of those on trolleys and bed shortages within our hospitals they feel this is now the alternative so someone could be sent anywhere uh, in a locality to a nursing home Nursing Home Ireland will join us this morning also a lot of the uh, groups uh, who represent the older generation are 
Corner out this morning. They say this is ageist. But interesting, we had a mixed reaction yesterday when we discussed this on the show uh, because a lot of people felt that the HSC were correct and that hospitals are for sick people. And if you are not sick and no longer need the bed in the hospital, then you should be discharged to a facility like a nursing home. And while that was never unusual, it's where people could end up. Now, I don't think they're going to send anybody from Cork to Donegal, uh, but like the explanation and the example we gave yesterday, uh, it could be someone maybe in Clonakilty or Skibbereen ending up in a nursing home in Formoy or Mitchellstown. And that is a bit of a drive if your family are willing to make that journey every day. Anyhow, your views are welcome and we'll discuss that later in the programme. Also, uh, this week on our Rs to Protect series, we're going to hear from a member of Composting Ireland who are working with schools around the country to educate on the benefits of composting. And we've also discussed over the years air quality. And a lot of this came down to people who uh, had concerns when smoke coal, smoky coal, was being banned and we saw the introduction of smokeless coal. Uh, Now nearly all towns in Cork are covered by this, uh, but air quality, it depends where you are and there's a number of factors of this because even though there may be a smoky coal ban in place, uh, people still do uh, burn smoky coal and indeed turf and a lot more and then you have traffic factors as well to bring into account. So, uh, with all that in mind, a new online air quality forecast has been launched and this will predict air quality for up to three days. The EPA have launched this and they'll join us later in the programme and also after 12.30, our movie review with Mark looking at some movies that you may want to view over the weekend. So that and more between now and one as always, you can email the show at corktoday at c103.ie or indeed you can make contact with us via the C103 app or text or WhatsApp 0862103103. But Josef Puska has taken to the stand in his trial where he is accused of the murder of school teacher Ashling Murphy, the 33-year-old Slovakian native of Lailani Grove, Mokla County, Offaly, denies murder. And joining us is our reporter Andrew Louth, who has been following proceedings this week at the Central Criminal Court. Good morning to you, Andrew. Good morning, JP. Josef Puska is on the stand. What did he say? That's right, JP. So at around half past three yesterday afternoon in the Central Criminal Court, the prosecution barrister, Ms. Amory Lawler, told the court that uh, she had closed her case. And shortly afterwards, then the defence told the jury that they will be going into evidence and the first witness that they called up was Yosef, is Yosef Pushka, the man accused of the murder of Ashing Murphy, which he denies. And uh, he was sworn in uh, along with an interpreter and his evidence is being given through that interpreter uh, throughout. And um, he was first asked about, you know, his background, you know, that he was from Slovakia when he moved to Ireland and to Tullamore. And uh, speaking through the interpreter, he was asked about to kind of read account for his movements on the 12th of January 2020, the day Ashing Murphy, 2022, we should say, the day Ashing Murphy died. And uh, speaking through that interpreter, he said he left his home in Mukla at around half past 11 and travelled to Tullamore Town on his bike. He said he was trying to find his brother who had gone with his wife to the dentist. And he said he was trying to find his brother's car. And he said that he was looking anywhere there was a big car park and He said that was why he sometimes found himself in some locations twice. Uh, Joseph Pushka then was asked if he remembered seeing a woman walking a dog. And uh, he said he now knew this woman to be Amory Kelly, who the jury heard evidence from last week. And she already told the court that she was followed by Joseph Pushka on his bicycle for quite a bit of time. 
Joseph Pushka told the court that this wasn't his intention at all. He said it was the truth that the CCTV showed him behind her. But he said that there was no bad intention whatsoever. He said he was riding the same way and riding all around the same way he was riding all around town. And he had no intention to follow anybody at all. And before the prosecution closed its case yesterday, Andrew, the jury heard evidence from Josef Puska's Garda interviews. That's right. This evidence was given by Detective Colin O'Leary. He said he carried out some of the questioning of Josef Pushka. He did five interviews in total on the 18th and 19th of January while he was in custody at Tullamore Garda Station. And the court heard that Yosef Pushka told Gardy that in the first interview, it was kind of a, a lot more kind of into his background. He said he was originally from Slovakia. He came to Ireland in 2013. He had five young children. He told the interviewing Gardy and he said he left secondary school in Slovakia a year early to travel to Bratislava. He had been working on building sites in the Czech Republic and he moved to Ireland until he and he would continue to work on building sites here until he had an accident which left him with a slipped disc in his back in around 2017, uh, he told um, the, the detective told the jury from the interviews. And um, he said this affected him very much because he could no longer run or do sports with his children or with his friends. And uh, he was asked if he knew Ashing Murphy, if he knew that Ashing Murphy had been murdered six days earlier. He said he did not know. And then when it came to his second interview, he said he didn't he didn't know anything about her murder. He said that he didn't read anything about it and could not understand the news because of his English. He was shown a photograph of Ashing Murphy and he said he did not see her at all and did not know her. He said he never saw her. And the first time he had seen her was in the picture. And in further interviews, he identified himself on a on a distinctive bicycle on CCTV footage. He was shown photographs of Miss Murphy again, as well as a clip of CCTV of her walking along the canal. Um, according to Detective uh, Garda O'Leary, Yosef uh, Pushka continued to insist he did not know her. And Yosef Pushka said that he had never seen her, did not recognise her, and he had never had contact with her, nor did he, he said he had not met her on the 12th of January 2022. And um, Joseph Pushka was also asked to account for the presence of a bicycle with his DNA on it at the scene and as well as the presence of his DNA in material recovered from underneath Ashing Murphy's fingernails and scratches and marks on his face and hands. And he was told that a failure or refusal to account for these matters could be used to support other evidence against him uh, before a court or and a jury. And he said he would not give an explanation for the bicycle and that he would not comment on the other matters as well. And he also said he did not want to comment on his presence at the location where Miss Murphy was also killed. And I suppose, JP, it's kind of important just to kind of remind everyone. I know when in these kind of situations, a lot of information is being given. But these um, explanations, these answers, this was not from Yosef Pushka's direct evidence yesterday. This was the evidence given by Detective Garda Colin O'Leary from when Yosef Pushka did those five Garda interviews um, on the 18th and 19th of January in 2022. Yeah, and uh, then, Andrew, there was evidence about an email sent to the Garda press office a few days after Ashling Murphy died. That's right. So this um, Superintendent uh, Patrick O'Callaghan was recalled to the witness box as um, the defence wanted to put this matter to him. So 
the court heard that a man emailed the Garda press office five days after Ashling Murphy was killed and claiming that he was the person responsible. And Superintendent Patrick O'Callaghan was asked by the defence counsel, Mr. Michael Bowman, about this email that was sent on the 17th of January 2022. And the email had the subject Ashling Murphy and the writer claimed that he was the person responsible. He said he was in Tullamore that evening. He said that he had the black tracksuit and that he was so sorry. Gardy tracked down the IP address of this email and they called to an address and took a statement from the man in question. And he said uh, the man had suffered from ADHD. He took antidepressant medication and had difficulty with alcohol. And Superintendent Patrick O'Callaghan also said that the man told them that he had little recollection of what he did when he drank to excess. And the court heard that he could not remember sending the email, but when it was presented to him, he said he must have been drunk and apologised for doing it. The court heard also that he said, what an idiot I am. And he told him that he should not be on the internet after drinking. He said he did not murder her and he was not capable of it. He said he was very, very sorry and he hoped that he did not cause any trouble. And um, Superintendent Patrick O'Callaghan then agreed with... um, Amory Lawler for the prosecution that they investigated and found that this man had nothing to do with the events in Tullamore on the 12th of January and that email was related to his what was described as a precarious mental state. And finally Andrew as we explained Josef Puska has taken to the stands does he now continue giving evidence this morning? That's right so as I said earlier he took to the stand just after half past three yesterday afternoon and um, the proceedings for the day finished up just before four o'clock yesterday afternoon. So earlier in the day, uh, Michael Bowman said that this was Joseph Pushka's story to tell and um, he hasn't appeared to finish giving evidence yet. And because Joseph Pushka is giving evidence, it's important um, that uh, people know that because he's giving evidence, the prosecution will also be given an opportunity to cross-examine him once he has finished giving that evidence to the defence. Okay, Andrew, I'll leave you. Go back into court and thanks for joining us this morning. No problem, JP. Our reporter, Andrew Louth, at the Central Criminal Court in Dublin. C103, Cork today until 1. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie today on C103. And Mary has been in contact with us if we can uh, give some advice to Mary on this. Her husband keeps getting called to his mobile but uh, the people that are ringing him are saying they had a missed call. Now his number has been ringing them uh, is what they're claiming that they have received a call because their their phone is saying they're, he's ringing them. And three different people have called him saying this from that they received a missed call from his number. Uh, what's after happening here Mary is and we've had experience of this before because those people are saying that your husband rang them and even though he did not more than likely his number has been cloned and what happens is those scam calls that do the rounds that they I'm not too sure exactly how they do it but it's done by technology and they're able to take a phone number and use that phone number and then they will ring a number of people from which is now your husband's phone number 
and people answer the phone and it could be one of those scam calls saying, you know, press one for this or claiming to be from a certain company and they're not. And, and, and of course, they are scam artists and they could be calling from anywhere in the world. Uh, but with this in mind, it's very hard to unclone the number because phone companies find it impossible to actually change this. You may be dealing with this for a week or so. It does usually stop because they don't use the clone number forever. They may use it for three or four weeks and stop. And then they'll use somebody else's number, but they would come back again to that number later on in the year. Uh, some of the staff here have experienced that over the years. I know friends of mine have as well. So more than likely, that is what has happened to him, Mary. Uh, now, you'd say to Bernie that he's with Gummo, uh, the mobile phone company who are owned by Air. What you could do, you could ring Air or contact them or email Gomo and explain the situation to them that you realise that your phone number, that your husband's phone number has been cloned. And within this, they may be able to help. Um, Comrade as well is, is good on, on those issues. Uh, but I know from experience with dealing with people who've had this, it's very hard for the authorities in Ireland to pinpoint who is cloning the number. And even though those who do that have the best in technology, it's hard for our authorities to dip in and, and find out where uh, the cloning has taken place from. So uh, that's our advice to you. Get onto the uh, mobile phone provider. In your case, it's GoMo. Again, just Bear in mind, Air owned that. Uh, but that's more than likely what has happened. We've heard that f- time and time again from people who you pick up the phone, you see a missed call, you ring back and they say, you rang me and you're going, no, I did not. And that's more or less always the case. Uh, hopefully that helped you out, Mary, on phones to Bernie earlier on 0818103103. Pat is in Formoy. And uh, Pat is picking up on the story that we sp- we're going to speak about later. And we did discuss yesterday as well. And this is the HSE uh, who are going to basically older people in hospital when they're ready for discharge, they're going to move them uh, towards nursing homes. Uh, Some people are against this and are concerned more so. It's always happened, but they're concerned that now it's going to be in a condition where they could be moved anywhere uh, in the county. Uh, It's what nursing home becomes available. Pat Informoy says that this delayed discharge uh, term that used to be called bed blockers. Uh, Yeah, it used to be Pat and they stopped using that phrase because people did not like the particular phrase so they've changed it now and now known as you said uh, delayed discharge. The bigger problem here says Pat is the number of people in hospital and nursing homes who get no visitors week in and week out. Uh, that's Pat's view on that and we hope that people would visit whoever is in a nursing home but anyhow thank you for your call Pat to 0818103103 and while everybody is hoping the housing crisis would improve and go away there's no sign that it's going to improve and mainly this now is due to the shortage of construction workers. Uh, they could prolong Ireland's housing crisis it has claimed. A new report has highlighted the current lack of skilled tradespeople and labourers to retrofit and indeed build new homes. More than 60% of construction firms are experiencing difficulties recruiting machine operators and skilled tradespeople. And this is coming from the Banking and Payments Federation of Ireland. They're warning this. They're also warning and that outside of all of this, just over 40% of construction firms say they cannot get enough labourers. So workers are the problem. Even if the governments come out and say, we have solved the housing crisis, we're going to do X, Y and Z, the workers are not there. And that is going to be the big problem for the future. So uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, with the workers, where are they gone? I know a lot of those in the engineering side of things, uh, labourers as well, and more... Uh, 
number of my own friends have moved to Australia in the past year or two. And it's not really always for, for money or for, you know, better conditions. A lot of it is to do with that very reason of housing. They can see a better future in Australia and they can see a future where they can eventually get a house whereby here they can't. Now, when I mention Australia, I'm not talking about the big cities like Sydney or Melbourne where you'd be paying a lot more and they have their own housing crisis. I'm talking about more rural areas where there probably maybe for some are a better opportunity. So that could be one of the reasons where uh, there is no workers within uh, the construction industry that is going to hamper the future of housing. Anyhow, your views are welcome on that. 0818103103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Now, not for the first time have calls been made for a more thorough process and this is to set up and establish how householders are disposing of their household rubbish. Councillor Noel McCarthy joins me. Good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, John Paul, and thank you for having me on the show. And thank thanks, you. Thanks for joining us, Noel. You brought this matter to the attention yet again of Cork County Council, and I presume the reason you're bringing it is due to the complaints you're receiving there from residents in the Formoy area, and this is due to bad smells and rodents who are gathering in certain neighbourhoods, all because people are leaving domestic waste in their backyard or back garden. Yes, and that's exactly why I raised the matter. I had representation from people and upset and disappointed because they also didn't want to be falling out with their neighbours. So they would say to them, look, your, your rubbish is built up. Can, it's not fair to us living either side or behind them or wherever it is that this rubbish builds up. There's smells, obviously. There's rodents. There's, there's you know, and it's just totally unacceptable that they're having the service put in place like everyone else. So I brought it to the attention of the council and I said to them, look, we need to have something in place that we need to make sure that everyone has a service in place and can we call to the doors and, and get a proof that they have the service in place or take the complaint seriously because it's not fair, as I said, John Paul. And then we go back to a second point of that, John Paul, is that how do these people dispose of it then if they haven't got a service in place? They're getting people to come along, collect the rubbish, and that could lead to fly tipping or so on because there's no control. And yeah, no the man-in-the-van job where they throw yeah. it out on the side of the road is what you're highlighting there. Uh, yeah. What would you say, though, to those people that are contacting us since we announced we were going to chat about this this morning that are saying it could be a pricing issue and maybe that needs to be looked into? You'll be very aware the council used to provide that refuse. Now they don't anymore. It's done by private companies. And many say it can be too expensive and that's why people are holding their waste and then they're maybe forced in a way to look at the man-in-the-van, which is wrong, I know, but they may do this. Uh, and that's why we're seeing the occurrence of waste lying in backyards. Private companies know they need to make a profit. That's what they're there for. Uh, is that an issue costing for waste disposal? Yeah, and I agree, John Paul. Yeah, it was done by the council previously and it was a good, a very good service. And a lot of us in the council over the time have said we should revert back to that. But that's still, even then you wonder what people say. Because, but if there's help needed, I prefer to people to come forward and say, listen, I can't afford the service and I need some help in doing it. Well, then maybe we can look at that. But having no service in place and having someone else to take your rubbish and not dispose of it properly is totally unfair on two accounts. One, for your neighbours keeping it building up. And two, for disposing of somewhere that's not right in the countryside, in woods, at the side of the road. And people living in them areas suffering over this. So we need to find the, the right thing to do. Now, most people, 90%, more than 90% have a service in place. There's no doubt about that. But if there's people out there having difficulties because getting with the service, then maybe they should approach someone and see where we go from there. But doing what they're doing isn't right on both counts. 
Yeah, and there is a number of laws there that, you know, the local authority and others can act on. There's the Waste Management Act and the Environmental Protection Agency Act as well. And the Pollution Act, even from 1987, they all could deal with this situation. Uh, But when you talk about bringing, you know, rubbish to different areas, we have recycling centres and the civic community sites. Is there within those uh, an option for general waste as well? Because I know people do take their general waste to private facilities. Uh, Could that be an option for the future to expand the civic community away? from just recycling? Yes, and I agree that, but unfortunately we here in the Femoyne Municipal haven't got a waste disposable thing like that, like that a, a waste um, a, a, a civic a civic site in our area. It is in Mallow, it is in um, um, Lismore, and it's in other areas nearest here, but unfortunately we in Femoyne have none, and we're always as councillors fighting to get one in Femoyne, and I think that would help, definitely. But I think it should be looked at in ways that People give every opportunity to have the right service in place rather than building it up, as I say, John Paul, because it's definitely causing a lot. Of, and neighbours fall out over it, John Paul. That's the other thing I should have said. And, you know, over rubbish being built up. You can imagine the frustration of people living next door to that. And that's the reason I raised the matter. Yeah, of course. And if you have rats yeah. and you have a bad smell, people are not yeah. going to be happy. And then if someone does see waste building up in a back garden and they report it. What happens if they report? Because we have heard in the past that the local authorities don't have the manpower to be going out and about checking back gardens or even issuing fines. So if they do report it, does someone, the person who is dumping in the back garden, do they get a fine? And then if they refuse to pay, what happens from there? I think what the first thing that happens is that the council would call, they'd actually give them the opportunity to dispose of it and dispose of it properly. And I think they have to prove to the, to the Cork County Council official that comes that how they got rid of it. That is a good system. So they wouldn't find them straight away if they make the effort to get rid of it. But they also would say to them that this can't continue. So there, there is a service there, but again, lack of manpower is a huge problem we have in Cork County Council with people trying to do that. We, I made that point at the environmental meeting that we need to get a system in place that we need to have someone there that would check in a regular basis because, and if a complaint comes in, it must be followed up and acted on. But there is nobody in place at the moment, is there? For no that? one in place at the moment. Don't do it. What the meeting did say to me, no, in all fairness, the, the director said to me, if you have individual cases, please bring them to my attention, which I did, which I did. And they do follow up and have followed up. And how but long w- would they take then to follow up? Would it be a number of weeks or months or and days? No weeks. They have it done in week. They have it done within the week or within, definitely within 10 days. There would be a follow up. And they'd be a, I got a call back on my one that I am. My two that I brought to the, the attention of the council, there was a follow-up and I got a call back that they said they've been uh, addressed. Any plans then yeah. to appoint someone to deal with that situation, I, to go out checking? Or is there data protection laws? Or can you just simply just turn up at someone's front door uh, that you know there may be rubbish in their back garden and ask them, where are you disposing of the rubbish? And I think that is the problem, John Paul, because when I spoke to some of the officials, they said they must be able to see the rubbish themselves. So you wouldn't see that from the house, you couldn't see the back of the house. So they're then depending on people to make the complaint that they can come in with the name of the person. But most people don't want to give a name because it goes back to not falling out with numbers or neighbours. So you have a lot of problems to be addressed. But I did make the point that we need to look and put all these laws in place that a person can call without having to see the, the rubbish. From OK, there. somebody on text saying, uh, tell the councillors to pass legislation to deal with the rubbish issue and just start issuing fines. That's on text. Very briefly, Noel, uh, before I let you go, Eileen is in for my. She wants to know when the streets from the courthouse to the Cork Road will be resurfaced within Formoy Town. She feels it's very uneven at the moment.
And a good point, Eileen, made. It's the M72, as you know, John Paul. It's not under the responsibility of Cork County Council, which sometimes say that's an excuse, but that is the, the fact of it. We have money allocated from from uh, TII, and we're hopeful that will be done in the first quarter of, of 2024. We had a section done uh, last year, and it is very bad, and it's terrible. Every opportunity I get at meetings, I bring the attention of our main street, Party Street, to the, the that we wait to the TII because it's totally unacceptable. Yeah, but you, you reckon off. for those, and we had calls yesterday as well, yeah. ironically, about that. So you reckon January to March, people in Fromoy may see a difference on that. Uh, Noel, I have to leave it there. Thanks for joining I us this morning. Fun. That is Councillor Noel McCarthy joining us from Fromoy. Your views are welcome on that. People who store rubbish in their back garden, uh, that fine should be issued, but also is there a p- bigger picture here to look at the cost uh, for people who may feel that they can't go along and pay a waste disposal company? or indeed maybe people just are being lazy and just feel they can do that and maybe as some texters are saying they're ignorant people and they don't care your views are welcome you can text or whatsapp 86 you're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 World Stroke Day was earlier in the week and to mark this I'm joined by Helen Gaynor of the Irish Heart Foundation and Carrie Mina, who had a stroke in her early 30s. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. And Helen, I'll just start with you. First of all, awareness days like this, they're an opportunity to recognise the warning signs of a stroke. Absolutely. It's an excellent opportunity to recognise the warning signs of when a stroke strikes, which would be awareness. So face would be, can the person smile? Has their mouth or eye drooped? Arms, can the person raise both arms? Speech, can the person speak clearly and understand what you say? And lastly, time. Call 112 or 999 for an ambulance straight away if you spot any of those signs of stroke. And the quicker you get a person to hospital, Helen, the better the outcome can be. Absolutely. So uh, really time is of the essence and effective stroke treatment is hugely time dependent. So the faster you act, the more of the person that you can save. So thinking of a stroke as a brain attack, as soon as you can get them to hospital, the better. And Carrie, for yourself, I mean, you were just in your early 30s, so not really an age you would think about having a stroke or anything about heart conditions or strokes. (laughs) So just tell us what happened on the day that you had your stroke in 2014? Well, I wasn't a great sleeper. I wasn't sleeping great for probably eight years. And uh, I got got up that morning, got up at six, only slept about three and a half hours. Got up at six, got ready for crawfish, went to class, came home, walked the dog, was gorgeous out. Uh, came home, had some breakfast, uh, cleaned the house, did all the normal stuff, and then had a shower and got dressed and was just lying in the bed uh, reading the magazine. When Mark rang, Keith rang and asked me to go to Forlick, and I said I would. We were going around the park and doing all the normal things. And at three o'clock, I started getting really tired, and I just said, "I'm just going home because I just just wrecked." So I drove home, dropped Kate off, and we was in the shop, and it was just crazy. The shop was full, 
and they, I got this pain in my head. I got a sudden pain. I mean, it was the worst pain I ever imagined. And that was the start of it. I was starting to bleed in my head. And it, it stopped after about five minutes. I drove home and I never met another car on the road. And once I went in the door, Mammy, Mammy noticed that she goes, she wanted me to go to bed. But I didn't. I went into the sitting room and lay down after dinner. I only had a little bit of dinner. And uh, they were, Mammy got up off the couch and I was lying on the couch and got this sudden pain. I was got up and got ready to go and I was going, I must go. And I got a second pain. It wasn't as bad as the first one, but it was bad. And I was going to bed and when Mammy came back in, she noticed my face had fallen on one side. And she goes, I need to go to Banlaslow. I put myself into the car and on the way up, uh, I was practically gone. And when I got to Banlaslow, she didn't know how she was going to get me into Banlaslow. And only that there was this woman coming out. She, she held, she stood with me and stopped getting out. And I went in and mommy went in and got a doctor. And once she seen me, I had a bleed in the head and they took me for a CT scan. And then Mummy was sent home for the rest of the rest of them, and the whole lot. And then they're all down there, and I got shipped to Dublin. And there, I wasn't to be out of Asia until the next morning. So I was lucky that Mummy caught me so quickly, because otherwise I'd be dead. So your mother quickly identified that it yeah. was a stroke. And as we mentioned there with Helen, it was the time turnaround that got you yeah. to the hospital and then the transfer to Dublin. How long in the end, Carrie, did you spend in hospital and what then was your treatment? Well, I spent 21 weeks from the first day I was in hospital. I got out for five days. Literally, I got out on the Tuesday night after the August bank holiday. From Banlaslow, got out on the Tuesday night, and I had to be in Dunleary on the mon- on the Sunday on the Sunday at two o'clock, and it was scary because like I got the flu thing remo- removed, and there was nothing at me, and then I got sepsis for nine days, and I was lucky. I was lucky that I made it. God, you were very lucky indeed. Yeah. And then while you were going through the various treatments, did you have to learn to walk and talk again? Yeah, I had to learn everything again. I had to learn how to walk and I only learned it by chance. Uh, this woman was in the nurse, it was in the hospital. She was bringing back a walking frame and she goes, you know how to walk and I shook my head and... I wouldn't get up and she came back with a fella and the bow held me up and they slightly kicked my legs and I was like, oh my God, Jack, you know? Yeah. And I like, there was no volume in my voice. There was nothing coming out of my voice. And I was like going, oh my God. And I lay in the bed and for the rest of the day and I was like, well, did I really walk? Do you know? And the next morning um, I got out of the bed into the shower and stuff. And it was just crazy. And I was like, oh, no, no, I, didn't, I definitely didn't walk. And on the Tuesday, the physio came back, Lisa, and she wheeled me down. And I was like, oh, I definitely drank that shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
and uh, she let me walk back and I swear I made every attempt to walk back. I didn't care. I wasn't I wasn't stopping for a long time. I was going, I'm on my feet now. I'm going to stay on my feet. I went to speech and language for eight months and she put no like tan, ton and, t- and tin and she would give me all these blank bits and I was like going, oh my God, I didn't have a clue. What I was what I was going into them, and it was so scary, but like I done it, and I suppose I was lucky. And my mum and daddy came came in, came back upstairs. They said no tiny visitors, which was the best thing ever, because it gave me time to heal. And then when I got sepsis, they thought I was gone. But daddy said I was a fighter, and I would make it. And thankfully, I am still here. I think Carrie, for anyone listening, that maybe going through something similar, it's the positivity that shines out of you and you're an inspiration to many. And Helen is still with us on the line. I mean, Helen, Carrie's story there, it is inspiring to others who are listening in because there are plenty of supports out there from yourself and the Irish Heart Foundation and others as well for people post-stroke. There, there is indeed. And Carrie's, Carrie's story is so inspirational and gives so much hope. And certainly in terms of our services, you know, we want people to know that there is life after stroke. We have a Stroke Connect service and it is a telephone support service where you can get eight weeks of phone support to help you continue your recovery as soon as you return home from hospital after your stroke. But it's also a service for anyone who's had a stroke to refer themselves into. And the number and the email is 01668. 5001, that's 01668-5001, or support at irishheart.ie. But also just to say, you know, we we know that strokes will rise and it's predicted that there will be an increase of 60% by 2035. And unfortunately, we have heard that there'll be no funding this year to deliver the National Stroke Strategy, which is a massive concern, considering that the Stroke Strategy, you know, has a very clear plan to save lives. So we we are now um, looking at a situation where people who've had a stroke will possibly now die and suffer severe disabilities if the plug is pulled on a pledge to fund these vital services. So that is something that we are we are very concerned about at the moment. And hopefully those who have the power to change that may be listening to us at the moment and may take that on board because that is something that, uh, you know, that cannot continue or even think about, to be honest. Uh, for the moment, uh, Helen, thank you for joining us and the great work you do there at the Irish Heart Foundation and carry the very best of luck to you uh, for the future as well. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your story. That is Carrie no Miner there, uh, who's joined us on the line as well, of uh, Helen Gaynor of the Irish Heart Foundation. If you do want further details, you can get those as well at irishheart.ie. Cork today until 1JP with you and Bernie taking your comments on the phone 0818 103 103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 ahead. We'll be speaking with Nursing Home Ireland. This is on the HSC's decision, well proposal anyhow so far on discharging older people from hospital and rather than them taking up a bed in the hospital they'll be transferred to a nursing home but that nursing home will be where one is available and may not be located in an area suitable to them or indeed for their family 
families to visit. Uh, that's on the way shortly. Uh, but a lot of your calls and comments on various issues we have been discussing this morning. We spoke with Councillor Noel McCarthy earlier from Formoy. This was in relation to people who were dumping their rubbish and storing domestic waste in their backyards. Uh, something needs to be done. Uh, he feels as uh, locals in Formoy are coming to him on this and it's not only in Formoy, it's in a number of locations across Cork and indeed I'm sure right across Ireland as well. Uh, but on this, and I don't know if someone has actually made a complaint or not, but they say uh, people who you do make a complaint about, will those people eventually find out? Or else maybe they think it was you, not too sure. But anyhow, those people then end up putting rubbish in the complainant's household bins under the cover of darkness. That is another issue that goes on in many towns. And Daniel is saying, if a man can lie dead in his house in Mallow Town for over 20 years, it's unlikely Cork County Council can deal with domestic rubbish, feels Daniel on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And Elizabeth agrees and says something needs to be done, but we have to look at this issue from both sides. Maybe there are genuine people who simply cannot afford to pay for a domestic rubbish collection. And with a lack of facilities where you can take domestic rubbish to, some maybe fall behind and leave it unwillingly in their backyard. Yes, some do it on purpose and will pay a man for the van and it will end up getting dumped and destroying local forests and rural roadsides. Uh, But there must be some genuine people out there as well who are just in trouble and we need to find a solution on where people can bring domestic rubbish to in terms of waste, but also on the price of waste collection in this country. Maybe more competition is needed. So that's Elizabeth on 0862103103 by text or indeed by WhatsApp. And on the issue of phones, and earlier on we had a call from Mary whose husband is receiving a lot of phone calls from people who were telling them that, oh, we received a missed call from you And who are you and why did you ring us? And he's going, I did not ring you. And these calls keep coming in. And we explained what more than likely has happened is that the husband's mobile phone has been cloned. And usually it's these scam artists who could be located anywhere in the world will use technology that they can take your phone number and then they will ring a number of people and they're the scams that will say you know you owe money to revenue you have to pay this bill press one for this those type of scams and they target different people on your phone number and then like a lot of us may not answer the phone in time, may not recognise the number and go, I'm leaving that call off. But you may ring it back and then you ring back and it's like Mary's husband is getting the call from genuine people who were saying, I missed a call from you and he's going, I did not ring you. And the confusion goes on and on for a while. That is more than likely what is happening. His number has been cloned. And when we explain that, a number of people have had the same situation. So Mary, you can tell your husband he's not alone. Uh, Mary's husband's with Gomo, which is, of course, uh, a phone company, but it's owned by Air. And Mags uh, sums it up with what a lot of people are saying. Mags says, I'm getting at least four calls, all with the same thing as Mary's husband. Now, Mags is a customer of Air. She got on to them and they said, bear with it. It will stop as they could not find out or locate who was making the calls with her number. Uh, So she, what Mags does is when she gets a call and someone says to her, I missed a call from you, she explains to the people that ring her and she says, look, this has happened. My number's being cloned. It's a scam. But Ayer's advice was, and I think a number of people that we spoke in the past said this as well, it will stop. They said, bear with it. But after a week or two, it will disappear. And I know people that work here had their phones cloned as well over the years. And after about two or three weeks, it goes away. The only thing is it 
it came back for some staff working here. So it, maybe in January they had a load of these uh, calls, people ringing them back saying, I missed a call from you. It happened again then in November, so it may happen again, uh, but it does stop because what happens is they realise then people get to know that phone number. They don't get anybody answering the phone, so they ditch that number. They will go off then and clone somebody else's phone number. And then what happens there is that person will have the same situation that you have and they'll try and catch a number of people out by scamming them. Uh, and I'd love to know, is it Irish numbers are the most scams? Because it is a problem in this country. I'm not too sure, do they just pick on certain countries across the world? And are we easier here uh, to have our phone numbers scammed than other countries, even though we have some of the large operators in this country, such as Vodafone and 3, who also operate in the UK. So you would think that they would be on top of things. Uh, and Air uh, is an Air owned now by a French company, but Air will be uh, quite large as well. So I, I don't know if it's just that they're choosing Ireland or are they choosing other countries across the world. You would also get those scam calls from UK numbers. So maybe the UK and Ireland are targets. I'm not sure. We'll have to figure that one out. But that's the answer to that. Uh, thank you for all those who got in touch. And hopefully, Mary, that answers your question. And uh, hopefully your husband won't be too much uh, inconvenienced by all those calls. Staying on that theme, though, of phone and internet providers and problems, Eileen was on to Bernie from Rathcormac. Uh, she has problems with her phone and internet provider. Uh, but what we've done for Eileen is we've asked her to get on to Comridge because a number of people who have been on to us over the last few weeks have got on to the unit within Comridge that deal with this. And they have come back within a few days or weeks and it has been dealt with, whereby they have issued them with a kind of a reference number that has gone to their provider. And they've always come back and said that it's sorted, it's done. So that's the advice if you are having problems. Comrig is the uh, company involved that look after and control all those various companies that provide phone and enter providers. So Eileen, hopefully that works out for you. And then on WhatsApp, uh, a story that I'm sure many of us are looking at on our TV screens and indeed on our phones from Gaza. And uh, this person on WhatsApp saying, how can America and all the other world leaders of superpower countries watch on in agreement what Israel is doing in Gaza? Uh, this person feels it's so wrong watching in horror of the prosecution, uh, the starvation and ethnic cleansing of the Palestine people, says this WhatsApper. Uh, poor innocent children being killed daily. Uh, there must be thousands upon thousands killed and buried under the rubble. Uh, thank you for your WhatsApp. Yeah, I mean, it is just awful to see what is going on uh, in the, uh, that part of the world. Uh, a beautiful part of the world that always unfortunately has had trouble around it and in this occasion it's a, a long history uh, that goes back to that area of Gaza uh, but with all wars it's the innocent that suffer and it's the young children that are, are being killed and that are dying and the innocent people who are going out for work every day doing what we all do here they're the ones that are suffering and everybody will have their own opinion on the war itself but at the end of the day the innocents uh, are the ones who will get caught up in war and they're the ones that will die uh, but yeah it's um, awful to see what is coming uh, from Gaza and that uh, part of the world on our TV screens and even if it's like a world cycle that we're in 2023 I mean when Russia started invading Ukraine it was like something from the past and you're going oh, this is something we saw uh, and we learned about in history and school uh, and we saw old photos from the I don't know, 1920s, 1930s 
And yet it's happening again in 2023. You'd wonder, do we ever move on uh, from the past or do some of those people uh, still think they are living in the past uh, that had the ego to go around and do what they are doing to countries? Uh, it is quite sad. Obviously, the, the the situation in the Middle East has a very long history to it uh, that goes back of many, many a year. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's awful to see those pictures, as you see on WhatsApp and uh, it's the innocent. It's just the, the innocent people are the ones that are suffering. Uh, and, and that's just so, so sad to see. Uh, thank you for your WhatsApp on 0862103103. Now, Tim is in Churchfield uh, on the city north side. And Tim was on to us earlier in the week. They had a problem where he's living in Churchfield, where there seemed to be an issue with sewerage blocked in a drain. And there was a, a horrible smell in that area of Churchfield. And residents had reported this to Cork City Council. They also had contacted a number of local representatives in the area. They felt they were getting nowhere with this. So uh, Tim was on to us on the show on Monday, or maybe actually towards the end of last week, it could have been actually, it could have been last Friday, Tim was in touch with us uh, regarding this. We did get in contact anyhow with Cork City Council uh, who worked in relation on this with Ishka Aaron and good news uh, Tim was back on to us this morning he says that storage problem has been sorted Uh, so that's good news it was sorted at the start of the week but now they're afraid it's starting again and it's coming back. So we'll have to get on to City Council again. Uh, if it's coming back again, there must be a serious problem with drainage. Maybe not where you are living in Churchfield, but maybe elsewhere uh, that it's backing up in your uh, particular area. Uh, so we will get on to the City Council again. But good news uh, that they did sort it. So that did work. But we'll we'll see. Can they figure out why it is happening at this stage if it's back again? Thank you for your call on 0818 103 103. Now, it's, this is from a who was contacted the show, uh, this parent lives in Bandon and they wanted to make uh, known of this social media post and the social media post comes from Rev Discos and Rev Discos, they operate right across Munster. They basically, they operate teenage discos. That, that's what they do. And they have them in a number of towns right across Munster and they have various social media pages then for that town. So for example, Care and County Tipperary may have their own media page and Bandon would have their own one as well. Uh, but on the one for Rev Disco, Bandon, uh, they, Rev that is the, the group that run this, they have posted this and a parent who made contact feels we need to address this and make other parents aware of the situation around video recording. And the social media posts says, please note that has been brought to Rev's attention who run these teenage discos. Uh, and this has been brought to their attention by security who work at the discos and indeed parents that a number of individuals who attend these teenage discos are recording attendees kissing and then pushing it on social media. So the likes of Snapchat and more. Even still, this is happening after Rev, again, who run these discos, goes, have given a warning. Now, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you will have seen and heard the uh, radio ads and seen the TV ads. You cannot now record anybody, uh, especially in an intimate video, without their consent. And they go on to say on their social media posts that if you do record anybody uh, without them knowing about it and then you decide to share it on any of the social media platforms including WhatsApp groups or others uh, that the attendees in those videos have the right to go to the Gardaí as they have. Now they're not going to tolerate this anymore and they say going forward security now we're going to remove people from those discos. Uh, They then will call the parents and send you home. Uh, All they want to do is for people to go out, enjoy, 
the music, enjoy the dancing and teenage discos. We all went to them in the past. I mean, they've been running for years, nothing new. Uh, just from my own point of view, from where I grew up, there was one in Bandon. Now, the name might have been a bit dodgy when you think back, but it was in the late 90s. It was an early noughties. They ran for, it was called Tramps. Uh, that was the name of the teenage disco in Bandon. Again, yeah, the, the, the name. Uh, I don't think they get away with calling it now, that name. But anyhow, that's what it was called. Din Clonacilty had the Boiler Room. They were the two ones that we attended over the years. The Boiler Room, as far as I know, was still running. Uh, and there was many others in various parts of Cork that I could name uh, that people would have gone to over the years. They dipped for a while and they came back then again over the last uh, seven to eight years. And they are popular and they are great for people to go out and socialise. And that is, I suppose, for a lot of people, the first socialisation they have when it comes in terms of going out and uh, if they're into not everybody's into discos but if they are into discos it's their their first opening to that world Uh, but the world has changed and everybody has a mobile phone which means everybody has a camera and it is unfair if someone is getting intimate in a teenage disco and somebody else is recording that and then it's posted on Snapchat or WhatsApp without their permission. It may go around certain groups uh, and they are right. I mean, it is illegal to do that. So this parent that contacted us says, can you make other parents aware that if their son or daughter or whoever is at those discos records someone and they you know what, you're, what are you, 15, 16 at that age? You're innocently enough doing this, maybe maybe not so innocent, but they're doing this not realising the laws that are around video sharing. Uh, and if the person who they video isn't happy, they can go to the guardie and that could lead to a warning for them or something else. So this parent wanted to wear, uh, warn other parents uh, that uh, the dangers around videoing and indeed mobile phones within uh, the teenage discos, the, the actual company Rev that run this disco, uh, they say if this continues, they'll have no choice but to ban mobile phone devices at discos. Uh, but for the moment, security will be removing you if you are viewing. So just a note to your son or daughter who may be heading off to a teenage disco and might think it's very funny to record someone, one of their mates who maybe kissing a, a boy or a girl or whatever. Uh, yeah, just make them aware of that uh, as it is now illegal to do that. Thank you to that parent who wanted us to raise that issue. You can always email us uh, across the show or indeed right across the weekend, Cork Today at c103.ie. And while we were speaking with uh, Noel McCarthy from Formoy earlier, something else Formoy related, and this is to do with AXA. And AXA has completed the acquisition of Lea Healthcare. Uh, AXA announced that it would acquire uh, the insurance provider earlier this year for 650 million euros and Lea at the moment it holds about 28% of the market share when it comes to Irish health uh, here in Ireland for insurance and of course Lea itself it has a, a long history because uh, it was uh, Lea's manager uh, directly managing director at the moment, Donald Clancy, uh, he said that the business had ambitious growth plans now that they have the backing of AXA. And of course, many would have remembered Donald speaking to us over the years. He was one of the head men at Bupa when they operated from Bill Island in Formoy. Uh, they operated out of Formoy for many years. Uh, then, of course, Bupa, due to risk equalisation, and they were not happy with how that was working with their competitor VHI, and they decided to leave the Irish market, and that caused huge concern for the Formoy and Avon 
Avondu region, a number of people working from that area in Bupa and outside the area too, but it was a big employer within Fermoy Town at the time. Uh, then Quinn came along and they bought Bupa and entered the healthcare in Ireland, located in Fermoy, but of course we all know eventually it did leave Fermoy and headed towards Little Island where the current location is. And then Leia came about when Quinn left the industry. And now AXA are going to be in charge of Leia, whether the plans are not, or if it's still going to be named as. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Delay or will AXA uh, decide that they want to have their brand on this and call it AXA Health or something. I'm not too sure for the moment. Anyhow, it is Leia Healthcare and if that's going to stay that way or not, we'll have to wait and see. But it is good news. It means that Leia will continue operating and uh, the other side of it here is jobs uh, will be secured here uh, for those working locally in now Little Island. But of course, the story behind that insurance company, it all started in Formoy and uh, now has grown to a, a different company totally in operating in Little Island. Uh, so with best of luck to all there in Leia. Our lines are open 0818 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and on the way we are speaking to Nursing Home Ireland and your views are welcome on that proposal now by the HSE regarding discharging older patients and sending them to nursing homes not in their area uh, but it could be elsewhere if one isn't available we'll chat with Tyg Daly from Nursing Home Ireland that's next C103 Jobs 
Ingredient Solutions in Boherbui, they require a finance administrator and indeed a customer service rep. You can email your CV to esther at ingredientsolutions.net. The closing date for those applications is on November 30th. And industrial electricians are wanted for projects within the Blackpool, Bishopstown and the Model Farm Road area. Send your CV to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com and HGV drivers are wanted for the Cork area. You can call 086 176 9656 or email cmurphy at frsrecruitment.com These jobs and more, they're online now just go to c103.ie forward slash job Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 Can you talk to me? Court today on C103 Older patients who are fit for discharge but still occupy a bed in a hospital will no longer be able to remain in place and will be placed in within nursing homes Tyg Daly of Nursing Home Ireland and joins me. Good morning to you, Tyg. Good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us. This is the You're proposal welcome. so far from the HSC, and nothing unusual about this, Tyg. First of all, this happens as it is, uh, and I know you called for this measure earlier in the year. But this new circular from the HSC to hospital managers is basically saying that nursing homes of choice, if they become available, well and good. But if not, they could be placed anywhere. And yesterday, when I mentioned this, the majority of callers were worried about the geography of this and where their loved one could be placed. Yeah, look, this is a challenge for the entire health service. And as you say, you know, over 3,000 people transition every year from acute hospitals to nursing homes. So it happens every other day. Uh, I suppose the difficulty here for the HSE, and I can sympathise with their position, obviously, is that they're under significant pressure in the acute hospitals. Um, And, you know, the challenge of finding a nursing home now, you and I and Patricia have spoken recently about the number of closures of nursing homes. So it, it is challenging all around. Um, I suppose what I would say is that communication is the key here. You know, it's not ideal, obviously, for someone having to travel, you know, 20, 30 miles away from their own local community uh, to access nursing home care. But communication with the resident, ultimately, and potentially with their family is absolutely key. And we've also got to remember that, you know, each resident is different. You know, of those almost 300 people who are delayed discharge in our acute hospitals, they have differing needs. Uh, and, and they need to be, uh, I suppose, assured that the nursing home that they will transition to or move to, you know, is in a position to cater for their needs. I think that's critically important. So, you know, it's not a homogeneous group, as it were. And I think we need to be conscious, uh, very much conscious of that. Um, but I think it's important to say as well, though, that, you know, all of those would have been assessed as requiring long-term care. Um, so it's important that they would, uh, I suppose, move out of the hospital. People will tell you that if your acute phase of care is over, the last place you should be is remaining in an acute hospital uh, and they won't get more, what I would term, more appropriate uh, care to their needs in a nursing home. Yeah, and I think everybody understands the HSE's thinking behind this. I, I just think from our callers, it was the geography aspect that they were worried about. And the example we gave yesterday was, and you know, you, you'll know yourself Cork very well, uh, yeah. being a Cork man, if you're in Skibbereen and then your uh, mother or whoever is in CUH and transferred to a nursing home in Formoy or Mitchellstown, for the yeah. family who want to visit every day, uh, it, it can be a, a problem for them because the mother will expect someone to visit them and would like to see family. So I think that's where a lot of our listeners were coming from there. But as you outlined as well, uh, as that is a problem, Tyg, the closure of so many nursing homes, we've seen that here in Cork with Balgooli, the latest, and the changes that has taken place within the nursing home industry. It could, it could be a problem for the HSC to get those people into nursing homes. Yeah, well, I mean, it was, that's the issue. Ultimately, from our perspective, is the the care requirements of an ageing population. You've heard me speak before, we should celebrate the fact that people are living longer and people will require more care, but plan for that. 
And that's the ultimate concern here. And I've heard others speak of that as well, about you know the, the lack of step-down facilities, for example, across the country. Um, so we haven't planned appropriately. And now we're, I suppose, bearing the, the, the fruits uh, of, of, of the failure to plan, plan appropriately. Um, so I think it's important that we, uh, I suppose, keep in mind as well that you know, discharge coordinators and hospitals are compassionate people. You know, they work with families every day. And, and I, I know your example, as you said, from Skibbereen to Fermoy or Mitchellstown, I think that would be most, most unusual. Um, you know, people would, would ideally, uh, from the Skibbereen area, you know, stay ideally in West Cork. You know, it might be Camacilty, it might be Banshee, it might be Drummond League, for example. And, and likewise, if it was North Cork, you know, they'd stay within that, within that area. Um, you know, resident choice is hugely important here. But I think it's also important to remember that if someone moves to a nursing home that is not their first choice, under fair deal, they can then transfer subsequently, you know, when a bed, when a bed becomes available. You know, it, it is tricky because, uh, you know, people will listen every day. They'll talk about the, num- the large numbers on, on trolleys or waiting on EDs. Um, so if you're in that situation, uh, you know, you, you, can, you can understand uh, the reason behind, uh, I suppose, this HSE focus, really, to ensure that you know, the acute beds are there, are those, are there for those who, who, most, who most need them. Is it up then for the HSE and for yourselves in Nursing Home Ireland and other agencies that deal with nursing, nursing homes to open that door of communication and make sure that there is capacity in a local area and that maybe somebody who wants to be in, for example, Kanturk or in Skibbereen or wherever yeah. or in Kinsil, that they get the option to be in that area? I mean, you mentioned at the outset of the interview that communication is key and I think for our older people that it is in this situation so they're not put somewhere, first of all, that can't deal with their care needs and secondly... Yeah. Uh, that it could be miles away from where they want to be, that they don't feel isolated in all of this. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I suppose that's the essence of nursing home care. It's care in the community. Your, your listeners across the, uh, the city and county would, would know their local nursing home. They'd know the staff who work there. they know the people that own them and work in them. So, you know, that's key. And you've heard me speak about that before. You know, if there's a local match on at the weekend, you know, there's a, a, a frisson of excitement in the nursing home because they know people who are playing. Uh, or if there's something happening in the local community. So it is hugely important that people can, can age in place, as it were. Um, but, but, you know, what we've got to do, I suppose, is, as you say, all of the agencies associated, I mean, the discharge coordinators of the HSE and ourselves would, would be in regular communication, and our, our members would be in regular communication with discharge planners in all of the hospitals on, on, on an ongoing basis to ensure, as you say, that they have, they have a bed in the first case. Um, but it's also the, the appropriate placement. So, look, it, it is challenging. It's, it's, it's not ideal for, for many people. Um, but as I said a few moments ago, I think it's also important to remember that, you know, if your acute phase of care is over, you know, the, the, the hospital is not the place to be. If you're out in a nursing home, you know, there's activities, there's, there's um, you know, companionship, you know, all of those elements uh, which make your, uh, I suppose, recovery much, much quicker. But we need to look also at, you know, other options. I mean, there's home care. Uh, you know, there's step-down care, um, there's rehab care. You know, so someone might come to a nursing home for a month or six weeks, you know, post-operative, uh, and then transition back to their own home. Um, because all of those people that we speak of, sometimes we get fixated on the numbers, you know, 500 people. But all those 500 people have individual care needs, uh, have individual circumstances, and have families who are, I suppose, advocating for them on an ongoing basis. Yeah, true. And they're all someone's mother, father, brother, sister, Absolutely. and they need to be taken into account. Regarding the nursing home aspect of this, tied in, I mean, if they are transferred from a hospital to a nursing home, it won't be for, you'd hope anyhow, for long-term care. But does that suit nursing homes 
in particular the private nursing homes who are saying they're struggling at the moment and to have a short-term patient or does it make a difference having a short-term and long-term patient because for private nursing homes I mean they, they are private so they need to make money but they also need to have the lights kept on and to keep the yeah. place running so or does it make a difference if they're there short-term or long-term uh, depending well, on the needs? I suppose the demand is such now that the, you know the predominance is for long-term care and as yeah. I understand it what they're focusing on here with the HSE is those who have been assessed as requiring long-term care and, and have been uh, approved for fair deal so the vast vast majority of those uh, would be for long-term care and they can choose you know they could also choose a public home because under fair deal as your listeners will know uh, you can choose a public private or voluntary one it doesn't have to be have to be one or the other but you're absolutely right i mean you know the closures is a big big worry um it's a huge huge concern for us in nursing homes ireland for our members uh, but it's also for the for the wider health service because if we don't invest and if we don't ensure the sustainability uh, of current provision, we are going to be in even more difficulty uh, in, in the years to come. And we were somewhat disappointed with, with, with the budgetary provisions. I think health in general, um, you know, had a, had a challenging budget for 2024. Uh, the HSE are saying that they won't have the funding to meet existing levels of service. And I know from talking to members that they're really, really concerned about what 2024 will bring. So while on the one hand, it makes sense, obviously, to transition people out of the acute hospitals into nursing homes, uh, I would be concerned about the availability of beds into the future. And so overall, you, will you welcome this uh, HSC and yourselves within nursing homes? You just need to have, I suppose, a compassion and, and remember that these are people and remember the overall family unit. Absolutely, and I think that's a, you know that goes without saying. But I suppose we've you know it has to be said as well. Um, you know, those who work in nursing homes, those who work in acute hospitals, you know, they are compassionate people. They deal with this every single day of the week. Uh, but uh, you know, I think I said at the outset, and you, you you mentioned that communication, 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 communication. Because once a person enters hospital for an acute phase of care, you know that that person should be identified as you know they'll be going home in maybe three days, four days, six days. Um, so planning and identifying the person's first choice, seeing is there a bed available in that particular home, or if not, in, in, the, in the, uh, the, the most appropriate location for them. OK, Tyg, we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Tyg Daly there of Nursing Home Ireland. Your views are welcome on 0818 103 103 or indeed you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And because it's the week of midterm and many people are enjoying, well, hopefully anyhow, enjoying spending time with their children across the week who were off school, uh, a lot of uh, people have been talking about their best things that they have done as a child and speaking then to the children today and what they do and there's not a lot of difference because a lot of the children in a recent survey and these are those under the age of 11 uh, they say that getting presents feeling loved by their parents and school holidays are considered one of their greatest things in their lives at the moment and for those who were now adults and were children they say that uh, similar to to what the the kids today are saying uh, but they're saying jumping in puddles climbing trees and building dins as well as dressing up uh, they're all things that they loved about being a child and uh, because of the week uh, that's in it with midterm primary school age children also named that uh, when they're out and about with their friends riding their bike was their favourite pastime as well though as playing party games and using Play-Doh as their favourite thing so overall things haven't really changed despite all the technology that we hear about things haven't totally changed uh, for those who are growing up but what for you were the best things about being a child and like those uh, adults who are saying jumping in puddles and climbing trees were the best for them or uh, those uh, children in this study under the age of 11 
seven who feel that getting presents or riding their bike or even using Play-Doh uh, for those uh, kids of today the that they're their favourite things. What was yours? Let us know. A text or WhatsApp me 0862103103. Ours to protect. Brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. This week on Hours to Protect, we learn about Composting Ireland, a group which works with schools around the country to educate and inform teachers and students about the benefits of composting. Donald O'Leary is the group's Cork Base facilitator. This was set up, it was run initially in Dublin by a colleague of mine. So there's a group of us together that we call Composting Ireland. So basically we have worked together on different projects over the years and we've helped schools and community groups and individuals to improve their composting to learn about composting and why composting is important from a a climate point of view from a soil health point of view from a a financial point of view and so on it it ticks a lot of boxes a colleague in Dublin started this with uh, a large number of schools and we developed an online uh, resource with a lot of information that any participating schools can refer to how this works is we trained teachers and school staff members and some parents as well to understand composting and to know the different methods of composting and as well then to, to know about general waste management in the school, how to improve their recycling systems and so on. And from there then, we, having trained the teachers, we invited them onto this online platform, which which is run by the Clean Technology Centre. There's, there's a lot of resources on that that the teachers can use. And so different things on soil science, soil ecology, gardening, composting... The funding is provided by Cork County Council and provides a lot of flexibility to the schools involved. The training, all of the costs associated with the programme are underwritten by Cork County Council Environmental Awareness Section. Part of that is each school gets a voucher for €250 which they can use for something connected with the programme. So some schools would have gone with wormeries, some schools would have gone with different composting systems for their garden waste or for composting leaves you know, schools where there'd be a lot of autumn leaves falling at this time of year now and some schools then would have gone for tools or, you know, it's up to themselves how they want to spend their voucher. They're given a, a menu of items that they can choose from. And one option in particular, wormeries, would be Donald's preference. The children can like put their banana peels and their apple cores and so on into this wormery where the worms live. The worms will eat it and it's a very effective way of composting in schools compared to a typical compost bin, which usually don't work in schools very well. They usually just get neglected and they go smelly and rancid. Whereas the wormery is, it's more effective as a composting system, but not only that, but it's much more interactive, much more educational for the children. So quite a number of schools would, as part of it, get a, get a wormery installed in the school. And overall, the project has been a huge success so far. Oh, it's been very successful. Like Both the, the staff who took part in the training have been great. They've been really, really engaged. And the, the schools of which they are part have been very engaged and very supportive and very welcoming to me when I come to the school. And I think they've really embraced it. And I think it will make a big difference in those schools, both from a waste management point of view in terms of reducing costs, you know, the costs associated with waste disposal and the cost 
costs perhaps associated with buying compost when they're when they're gardening in their school and also from a, an awareness point of view I think that the you know just the the experience of working with compost uh, working with these strange little living creatures called worms which we all know they exist but most of us don't know very much about them and they're quite fascinating and I think the schools and the both the children and the staff have got a lot of enjoyment and a lot of awareness and educational benefit from being involved. Meanwhile, Donald thinks that learning about composting is vitally important for all generations. Part of, of being involved in composting is it connects you very much with the seasons. Like at the moment, people who compost will be thinking about, oh, the autumn leaves are falling. Then in the springtime, it's a very different focus. Things are warming up. The worms become much more active. They, they become much more... Um, frisky and they start reproducing a lot in the spring and then then you're concentrated on different things to say oh my my worms are you know getting active my worms are getting hungry what can I feed them the purpose of this is to make compost as well as to manage your waste so it's really you know what raw materials are available at different times of year for making compost so at this time of year it's the autumn leaves which are very good what's called a brown material they're very high in carbon they're very good for improving soil when when they do become compost they're very good for helping um, the, the structure and the texture of the soil then you might have different types of food like in at Christmas there might be a lot of food waste unfortunately which is something that society needs to address is simply not to waste food you know any food that is wasted can I compost that and then in the summer you'd have people gardening you'd have a lot of like weeding and trimmings from plants and so on and to compost though so it, it really connects you with the natural world in a lot of ways To learn more about Composting Ireland visit them online or check the show notes of this episode Ours to Protect brought to you by C103 the IBI and funded by the Commission Naman with the television licence fee check out ours to protect.ie for more info until one, it's Cork Today. JP with you and Bernie will take your calls and comments on any of the issues we are discussing. 0818103103. Or indeed, if you want to raise other issues, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. You can email Cork Today at c103.ie. A lot of calls and comments in on the various issues we have been discussing this morning, indeed as well, regarding the issue of being a child and what you liked when you were a child compared to the children of today, which hasn't changed that much with all the technology uh, from a, a survey done across this week there's not much of a change in what they like today compared to years ago uh, we'll get to those calls and comments very shortly but a new online air quality forecast will show and predict air quality for up to three days EPA senior manager is Patrick Kinney and he joins me uh, this afternoon good afternoon to you Patrick Hello, good afternoon, John. How are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. Uh, This is something we've spoken about a lot here with yourselves at the Environmental Protection Agency and also with others who work within air quality. And this from yourselves now looks and it seems like a forecast for air where people can look ahead to air quality within their own local area. You can, yes, indeed. Um, So it's on airquality.ie and there's also a link on epa.ie and you can click on that system there, there's a there's a tab that moves you between the monitoring stations because it defaults to going to our monitoring network. And then you click on a button and it brings you into the forecast. And as you just said there, you can go through a forecast of up to the next three days, today, tomorrow, the day after tomorrow. 
Um, it defaults to showing the basket of air pollutants that we are modelling um, through an index from 1 through to 10, where 1 is good or, or uh, green, and then all the way through to 9, which is poor in a red colour, and then 10, which is purple. If you want to, then you can go in and you can click on that tab for the air quality index for health or the pollutants, and you can go and take a look at what it's actually colouring through for those individual pollutants themselves if you want to take a look at what pollutant is driving the forecast in your local area. You can zoom in on the system down to a three kilometre by three kilometre square gridded box where it'll colour in that, that particular box in your local area, again, based on the air quality index for health. And will people then be able to forecast for the days ahead, for example, you know, if there's a very uh, cold and still night, we notice the level of toxins in the air can increase and that can be from smoke from homes uh, or indeed it could be from traffic or whatever. Uh, So can people predict that by looking and forecasting ahead on, on this system? That's that's exactly what this should be able to be used to do. Um, so we could predict that forward, as I said, for those up to three days into the future based on a daily average, on the average value for those days predicted predicted forward. So yes, indeed. Yep. And then will that reflect the urban and rural divide when you look at heating and also traffic levels in some areas of the city here in Cork? First of all, we have areas where the road network isn't fantastic. So people are living in an area where there's constant congestion of cars and the air quality is notably poor. And then in some towns where we don't have a bypass, a buildup of traffic causes the same. So can we see or will we see an urban rural divide from this? Yeah, you will see a difference uh, between towns and and the larger cities, and then rural areas where obviously there 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 is less sources of of air pollution being generated. Um, again, on those gridded three kilometer by three kilometer square um, boxes, you will certainly see a difference across the country at different points over the winter that we're coming into now. Because unfortunately, we're now into the into the winter heating season, so our air quality, or rather our poor air quality, will start to be driven by. Um, fine particulate matter or PM2.5, the dominant source of that is domestic solid fuel heating. So at different towns and cities across Ireland, as as we go through the winter, very much dependent on weather conditions as well, certainly where we have those still cold evenings where air pollutants tend to concentrate, don't dissipate, don't get either blown away or rained out of our air and just build up at different points in time and at different towns across the winter. Unfortunately, we will start to see the forecasting system forecasting poorer air quality across Ireland. And as I said, it's going to default on airquality.ie to still go into the monitoring network. So you'll also see the monitoring stations shifting, as unfortunately they do every winter, to a, to a poor and very poor status. And those monitoring stations you mentioned, are they located nearly in every area of a city or, or a town or, or do, can they reflect a wider area that you don't need one in every Pacific region in, in Ireland? They reflect a wider area. There's 114 of them at the moment and there'll be 115 within the next week or two. Um, so it's quite an extensive network. And when it comes to those monitoring stations, and like today we're launching a forecast, so we're predicting daily averages for up to the next three days. And by March of this year, we're going to launch, and I'm afraid this is a buzzword, which I will explain, uh, we're going to launch what's called a nowcast, which are hourly updated, modelled maps for Ireland. So these are going to show as a map 
essentially interpolating or predicting between the monitoring stations based on the data from the monitoring stations. So that's going to be a modelled map that's going to be updated every hour um, showing showing a value at, at all areas effectively right across the country. So hence hence it's called a, a nowcast. But that's not for today. That's, that's for March of 2024. I suppose for today we are launching forecast maps of a daily average predicted for up to three days into the future. Yeah, and the system will grow then over time, as you mentioned. So this will help everyone plan activities, but it will be of benefit to those who suffer with respiratory disease, but also uh, with asthma. It will indeed. Um, like this is this is hopefully of benefit to absolutely all of us because air quality has an impact on all of our health. And indeed, the lower we can get the concentrations of pollutants in our air, the better a health outcome with it, it, it will be in the long run for all of us, as well as in the short term. But as you rightly say, for those of us that are particularly impacted by poor air quality, those with asthma or other, or, or, or other conditions that impact on the lung and our respiratory system, and also for those of us who have heart conditions, because again, poor air quality has a very negative impact on, on the heart and cardiovascular system as well, that this will allow people to take a look at the predicted air quality for up to three days into the future. If you're planning on going on a run, or equally, if it's something as simple as planning on what day you're going to you're going to go out and, and head out to the shops, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you can look to see what are we predicting for those days into the future for air quality. And are we hoping with more towns going smokeless and a lot of our cities now already smokeless that our air quality overall should be improving over the next number of years and a lot better than it was uh, 10 or 20 years ago? That's the overall expectation. Uh, the government brought out a national uh, smoky fuel ban last year. So our expectation is that we should see air quality looking to improve over the coming years. They've also launched Ireland's first national clean air strategy, uh, where Ireland is committing to achieving lower concentrations of, of air pollutants over time. And at a European level, there's a lot of movement on the overall European legislation that effectively dictates dictates the levels that we should achieve and that and that it is sensible for us to look to achieve because at the end of the day this is a public health issue that's why all this legislation is there these air pollutants have a very negative impact on our health and as i say the lower the concentration we can get them all to the more positive an outcome there's going to be for all of us because as you say Air pollutants over time, the concentrations are slowly decreasing and certainly compared to where we were 20 years ago, the concentrations are lower. But at the same time and in parallel with that, that medical understanding of the, of, of how low we actually need to get those concentrations has changed as well too. And really there are, there are impacts that are now understood at much lower concentrations that were, than, than were ever considered before. And the World Health Organization have effectively stated that there is no safe level of air pollutants. So the lower we can get those concentrations, the more positive it's going to be. Okay, airquality.ie is the website where people can check out the quality in their own area for the moment. Patrick, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thank you very much, Sean. Take care. Patrick Kinney there, who is the EPA Senior Manager. And again, airquality.ie, if you want to check out the quality of air in your own region, that uh, website is now live from today. And earlier on, we were uh, informing you of this survey that is out. It is midterm. A lot of the children are off from school at home, and you may be happy to have them around the place, or maybe not. But anyhow, uh, this survey was basically so showing that from 40 to 50 or 60 years ago, what the children liked 
then uh, to now hasn't changed that much uh, despite all of the various findings within technology. A study of those under 11 found that getting presents, feeling loved by their parents, school holidays, they're all considered their greatest things. And for those adults who once were a child, they think that for them growing up, jumping in puddles, climbing trees and dressing up were uh, all fun and what they considered having a good time. So we asked you, what did you think growing up was the best thing about being a child? Bernice is in the city and she said her favourite childhood pastime was playing board games especially Connect Four and Discovering Europe with all her family uh, board games yeah a big uh, hit and they still are thank you Bernice and that Discovering Europe uh, and Discover Ireland as well I think they were um, the Goslings uh, used to uh, make and produce those and they're still on for, and still for sale even in many of the shops and online as well uh, and the Goslings of course lived uh, at they still do live uh, in Castle Freak uh, near Clonakilty. And they also ran a cafe at the time. And if anybody knows Long Strand near Oni Hincha, at one side you now have the Fish Basket, who do a fantastic job with food, have won so many awards nationally. Uh, and they're at one side of it. And a number of years ago, at the other side of Long Strand, you had a cafe that was run, run back then by the Goslings. And they produced the board games. And I remember you'd go into that cafe and they'd have the board games in front of you. So, yeah, that really brings back childhood memories. Uh, so, hello to you, Bernice in the city and then Jura says she used to love this time of the year as a child because she used to get really excited about Christmas. We used to start preparing writing our letters to Santa uh, and deciding what we wanted from him for Christmas as Jura as well as the school holidays and Magella says being outdoors she just loved it. Her parents used to be roaring at her to get in in the evenings gone 7 or 8 o'clock and also having a lot of friends to go out with was fantastic in those days and Gary says watching TV as soon as he used to get home from school he used to put on the TV he used to, he could not wait for it he used to be thinking about it all day in school and Gary says he's still a big TV fan so hello to you on text or WhatsApp 0862103103 Emily remembers getting a visit from the tooth fairy after losing a tooth uh, she was always excited while the pain of losing the tooth sometimes she knew money was on the way uh, Joe and I think a lot of us c- can relate to Joe here uh, when you were calling to your grandparents uh, getting treats from whenever the grandparents either came to your house or you called to their house or uh, the tradition I know we used to have it in our family and others the same, maybe a Sunday evening that everybody would call uh, to Granny's house and all your cousins would be there and you'd have a great evening playing and then you'd have the, the bar of chocolate given to you at the end. Uh, Joe, thank you for your WhatsApp. And hi to Barry who is saying that his memory of a child is having massive birthday parties with the whole class from primary school. Uh, Luke is on about always having energy. I think we'd all agree with that. And finally on this, Colleen, who says, uh, playing those uh, traditional games you mentioned earlier, like musical statues, and Simon says, I used to love those, and now with my own uh, children, I played them as well, and they love them. So you are right, there's not much of a change from the child of today than there was back in the 80s or 90s. Thank you, uh, Colleen, for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. We'll be going to the movies with Mark after 12.30, and I've a lot of calls and comments in on the various issues we have been discussing about regarding nursing homes and scams. I'll get to those. Uh, both Trevor Welch is back with you tomorrow from midday on C103.ie with Premier League Live. It's powered by Talk Sport, and tomorrow they'll bring you live coverage of Fulham.
are taking on Manchester United at 12.30. Manchester City will take on Bournemouth at 3 o'clock and at 5.30 it's Newcastle United taking on Arsenal. The Premier League Live, it's online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You can listen Saturday on the C103 app or indeed go to c103.ie. Trevor on air tomorrow on c103.ie from midday, powered by TalkSport with Premier League Live. And then on C103 on Sunday from one o'clock, it's the Intermediate A Football Championship where Ahabolic will take on Mitchellstown. Live commentary from Parky Cueve this Sunday from 1pm. That game live and free on C103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. An information evening on women's health and the menopause will be held at the Hibernian Hotel Mallow this evening. It will start at 7 o'clock. Dr. Deirdre Lundy who specialises in women's reproductive health will attend. All proceeds go to the Hope Foundation. Tickets are available from Park West Flowers in Mallow or you can get them also online at Eventbrite. The McCroom branch of the Irish Guide Dogs will hold a fundraising event of Flora and Song. That's going ahead this evening at 8 o'clock in the Castle Hotel in McCroom. St. George's Arts and Heritage Centre in Mitchellstown will host an evening with Francis Black. That's tomorrow from 8 o'clock. Tickets from Eventbrite or indeed from outlets locally in Mitchellstown. And Reggie for President takes place at the Glen Theatre in Bantier. That's tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock. Tickets available from the Glen Theatre in Bantier on 029-56239. And Clonakilty Special Olympics are hoping for a good attendance at their follow-up meeting, which goes ahead next Wednesday at 8 o'clock in the local community youth centre in Clonakilty. If you want to include your event in the Cork Diary, email diary at c103.ie. Cork today on C103. We'll be heading to the movies with Mark very shortly, but earlier on we were hearing from people whose phones had been cloned and they were receiving calls from people who thought they had missed a call from them, but in fact the phone number of their mobile had been cloned and that led to a discussion on scams. And here's two more that are doing the rounds. First of all, Jura says he got a call from this person and the call said that he was owed money. And now he told this person on the phone that he wasn't owed anything. And she said it could be from a while ago back. And he asked her who she was looking for. She had Jer's name. So then he told the person that uh, Jer himself doesn't live here anymore. She apologised and hung up. Uh, Ger, thank you for your WhatsApp. Just be aware if you were getting some of those calls uh, saying now that's a new one that you owe your old money back from something. Uh, more than likely you're, you're not and it's a scam. And of course what would happen usually in that situation they'll look for your bank account or an email where they'll send you a link and you know what happens after that. Uh, the link or the account numbers of your bank you'll see money being extracted out of your account. So just be aware if you get those calls. And Eileen is in Banning College. Uh, she got a scam call from an 087 number earlier in it was about her Revolut card. Eileen uh, said she just hung up because she doesn't even have a Revolut card. And yet that call and those scams are going around to people claiming to be from Revolut. And again, no, just hang up because they won't contact you in that method. Uh, so Eileen uh, and Banning colleague, thank you for that regarding the uh, scam on the Revolut cards. Now, Nursing Homes, who we spoke with, Ty Daly from Nursing Home Ireland earlier. This is on the HSC, who for their winter plan, their proposal is anyhow uh, on this trip. 
discharging even uh, older people from hospital uh, that may need extra care. So rather than them taking up a bed in the hospital, they will be discharged to a nursing home. Uh, The only concern is, because that's not unusual, uh, that would happen, but the concern was now it would be a nursing home that is available wherever it is. And the concern is that if somebody is in a different area uh, of a a country or a county, they still want to be able to see their loved one and that loved one may be upset knowing that there's so many miles from uh, their family. Now, you'd hope that would not happen and I think as Ty Daly mentioned earlier, communication is key here between the hospitals, uh, the nursing homes and the family on this so the person first of all gets the correct care they're going in for and also they're in a location where their family can be near them uh, but also so the person in the nursing home doesn't feel like they're isolated on that a number of calls. Michael uh, says nursing home placement, it is really important that a person is kept close uh, to a family as possible says Michael, as if a family member has to enter long-term care it's a stressful time for all involved. It's important to note care needs are usually assessed by a professional from the home the person is going into. It must be noted there's a higher charge for community hospitals in comparison to private nursing homes. Uh, Michael says I can't understand why uh, this isn't a level playing field. Uh, thank you for your text to 0862103103 and staying on that, Audrey was in Tower recently and she said uh, she saw that the HSC bought Blarney Golf and the Club Hotel uh, which is located of course near Tower but Audrey's point is that she has seen no one in it yet and how come uh, that is the case as there is such a demand for places for the elderly says Audrey. Well on that you are right the HSC did take responsibility for the former hotel building on the site of the Blarney Golf uh, Club and Hotel Resort which is near Tower. Now contractors were on the site and they were going to convert that particular building into a 60-bed HICWA compliant community nursing unit is what they said in 2021. Earlier this year a community nursing home uh, was established but was not opened as yet so the work seemingly were done and we were told then in March of uh, this year that this nursing home was to become operational by the end of the year. So I would presume either this month or next month uh, if everything is going to plan there uh, that the nursing home should be open if it's not open already uh, that it should be open before the end of this year Audrey thank you for your text on 0862103103 and finally on what you wanted to do and what you liked doing when you were a child we gave a number of examples from people earlier what they get up to and things are the same uh, for kids in the 70s 80s or 90s as they are uh, for the children of today by way of pastimes and you know playing with your cousins school holidays climbing trees dressing up and all of that and Anne on WhatsApp saying, uh, John Paul, my favourite uh, childhood memory was meeting up with my first cousins and playing. And today we still meet up and we love it. However, maybe not playing, says Anne on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And I think a lot of people uh, are in the same situation whereby they all remember going to their grandparents' house or indeed playing with their first cousins. A lot of people coming back to us with that on text and WhatsApps today. And thank you for those on the way next, though. We're heading to the movies with Mark. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Minions talk to me. Cork today on c103. It's time for our movie review and let's say good afternoon to Mark Malone. Hi Mark. Hi Jumbo. Now this week of course Halloween earlier in the week a lot of uh, spooky movies around and you went along to see one. I did watch the trailer. Mm. I enjoyed it. I'll have to get your <laughs> aspects. The last time I said that you said what was in the trailer was the best part of the movie so <laughs> hopefully that's not the case that this first of all is the trailer for this movie Five Nights at Freddy's. 
Hi, this is Mike. I was just calling to see if that job that you offered was still available. Yes. All you have to do is keep your eyes on the monitor. Hello? Have you met them yet? Met who? There are ghost children possessing giant robots. Technically, they're animatronics. Thanks for the heads up. What do they want? They want to make her like them. <laughs> Tell me how to stop them. You don't. Five Nights at Freddy's. So obviously there's a bit of a horror uh, incarnated into this uh, movie. Just tell us what it's about. First, Mark. But first of all, I was trying to avoid going to a horror movie because uh, it's it's not a genre that I really like. Oh I, yeah, I'm not a huge horror fan. Do you like horror movies? I do actually. Yeah, for some reason. Yeah, yeah. So and I, I like the, this one that there's a bit of a jump moment where even in the trailer you're looking at it going, oh. Yeah, well, uh, jump scares are uh, you know a, fam- a favorite technique of uh, a lot of uh, Hollywood directors. But the thing is, is that I was trying to avoid going to the th- cinema over the last couple of weeks because the, all the, all that was in was horror movies. I don't want to see the new Saw movie. I don't want to see the Exorcist movie. I don't want to see None Two because I had to sit through None One. I don't particularly like these movies. And the only reason I went to see this is because my daughter uh, saw it at the weekend and she wanted to get my opinion on it. She said you got to go and see it because she played the game because it's based on a very famous video game. Did you play the video game? By no, but I do know about the, the video game, but yeah. I never played it. Yeah, uh, she would have played it with when she was quite young, actually, about twelve or thirteen. I'm not sure that was appropriate <laughs> or not, but, uh, but she did anyway. And uh, so she became a big, big fan of the game. So she wanted me to go and see it. So I said, oh, "Okay, I'll go and see it." Uh, so basically, um, this is from Blumhouse, Blumhouse Productions, who make all these kind of very small budget kind of horror movies, and uh, which are hugely successful. But even though they're small budget, they don't look uh, cheap. They always really re- look uh, really, really quite expensive. And I think the reason why they're able to make these movies so cheaply is that is because of wage uh, wage packets uh, basically what they do is they get kind of stars and actors who are very very good but they're not huge stars so they don't have to pay them 20 million in advance and then give them 20% of whatever the film makes and then the film has to make a billion dollars to make a profit they don't do that uh, so here we've got Joss Hutcherson who's probably best known I think for the Hunger Games and uh, he's the star of the film and uh, I presume they didn't have to pay him a huge amount of money so the film like only cost about 20 million dollars to make and it's already taken something like a, nearly 200 million dollars so it's done very very well but that's, but that's the way Bloomhouse work do you know what I mean it's very very clever so, but, but what they do is, so all the money goes uh, to the film. So therefore, the films never really look cheap. Uh, but they do like horror and they do like kind of slasher movies, to, to be brutally honest with you. And this film is about Josh Anderson. Now, he is this kind of troubled security guard. Now, he accepts this night, this nighttime job uh, at this uh, factory at a family entertainment center. And uh, in, in here, it's got these four animatronic mascots and they come alive at night and intent on killing, right? Now, you might think, well, hang on a second. That sounds very familiar. Wasn't there a movie like that with Nicolas Cage a couple of years ago? You're dead right. There was a movie like that. It was called Willy's Wonderland. I don't know if you got to see that or not, where, again, he took the nighttime job as a nighttime watchman, and, of course, the uh, animatronic uh, kind of dolls came alive and mayhem ensued. That was the film, by the way, where Nicolas Cage did not speak throughout the whole film. (laughs) Not one word. He obviously took the film because he didn't have to, you know... uh, learn any scripts and it got famous for that very reason as exactly, well <laughs> yeah. and I really liked it I mean it was nonsense but I really liked it I thought it was 
really, really, really good fun. But of course, it was Five Nights at Freddy's. They knew what they were doing and they got in first, which must have been a nightmare for the people involved in kind of making this film because they've been at this. They've been trying to make this for quite some time. You know, Chris Columbus was involved. Many others were involved. They've been trying to make it for a while now. Uh, but here we are. We finally have it. The script is by Scott Cawthorn. Now, he's the man who developed five, the, the Five Nights at Freddy's um, uh, game. He's also um, uh, involved in the screenplay here. Uh, it's directed by Emma Tammy. And so basically it's it's Willie's Wonderland again he gets the, this job in uh, uh, the uh, factory at night uh, the uh, mascots come alive and so he's got to fight them off uh, whilst at the same time he uh, lives with his little sister the problem is is that his aunt wants to get control over the sister and wants uh, to try and um, take advantage of her and uh, there's money coming to her and she wants to take custody of the child uh, but the, the courts won't allow that they allow uh, Josh Hutchinson to have custody of his children and she the little girl, as I say, has money coming to her, so she wants custody, and so she decides that she's going to send a gang into the um, factory at night to try and just smash up the place to make him look bad so she can get custody of uh, the little child. And, um, and then, as I say, mayhem ensues. The thing about it is that and the surprising thing about it for me is that uh, it's actually not very bloody at all. Most of the violence kind of happens off screen, and I think that was one of the criticisms of a lot of kind of uh, critics who went to see the film, because the critics... Um, um, have been very, very sn- sniffy about the film. If you look at uh, Rotten Tomatoes, for example, the critic, uh, um, you know, um, percentage is at uh, 30%, whereas with the fans, it's at 88%. And I thought it would be the other way around because I thought the fans wouldn't particularly like it because my daughter didn't particularly like it. and But she wanted it to be scarier and bloodier because obviously if you're, you know, in your early teens and you're playing the game, you're terrified whilst you're playing the game. She found that the film didn't do that. And I understand that completely. Now, apparently in the film, there are told loads of Easter eggs um, in relation to the game. Uh, I haven't played the game, so I have no idea. So I came to this without knowing the game or knowing anything about the game. So I came to this as somebody who's just watching a movie, a very, very well done movie, a very professional movie with some jump scares, with some creepy moments. But I, I just found, like my daughter, that there weren't enough. Do you know what I mean? Um, you might remember, what was the name of that film? Um, do you remember that film Megan that came out a couple of years yeah. ago about the doll, uh, yeah, the yeah. scary doll? Um, that, again, was a very, very low budget film. And they decided that they would go... And, and kind of direct the young preteen market by making it a 12s film. It wasn't particularly bloody, although the original version, I think, was. But they cut all that out. And it was a huge success because they targeted that young teen audience that wanted kind of horror movies like that. And it's done well in the States because I think in the States it is 12s. Here it's 15s for some reason. And I have no idea because it's not particularly scary. It's not particularly bloody. Most of the violence and the murders happen off screen. Um, but it is creepy at times. And I have to say that I thought it was actually pretty good. I mean, I really, really quite enjoyed it. Um, because, again, I'm not a great fan of horror. I'm not a great fan of watching people being decapitated on screen. It's not really my kind of thing. Yeah, and some people don't like I mean, we get calls here from people who watch movies and say there's too much violence in a lot of the movies. So maybe that's why the fans rating is higher than the experts. Again, I, I mean, I've said this before. I think it depends on, on the movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, I don't well, certainly, like, yeah. I don't particularly like violence when it's where it shouldn't be. I mean, do you know what I mean? But if it's a horror movie and you expect it, so therefore you've got to accept that you're going to have uh, violence on screen. So I thought it was very professionally done. I thought it looked good. I thought the soundtrack was really good. The Newton brothers have this kind of Stranger Things kind of 80s kind of sound to it. Cinematography by a woman by the name of Lynn Moncrief uh, I thought was very, very good indeed as well. As I say, it's 15A actually, I think, as far as I'm aware. Um, I don't think it necessarily has to be. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was good. But then I never played the game, so I 
I can't compare it to, compare it to the game. Well, out of 10, how would you rate this? I'll give it 7. So, well, that's a good rating. Uh, five Nights at Freddy's, if you want. Is that, is that streaming or is it out in cinema? It's in cinemas. It's in cinemas, okay. Yeah. And then uh, The Burial with Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones. Is this another kind of a Halloween theme or is it just happens to be set about a funeral owner? Yes, it is. Um, is it? Okay. Exactly, yeah. And uh, it's only available on Amazon Prime, so keep that in right. mind. I don't think it's available in other streaming services as yet because it's one of their movies. And like a lot of these movies from streaming services, which I give out about every week, is that it's incredibly long. And in fact, I, was, I watched it on Sunday afternoon and I was waiting for the Man United Man City match, which was on about uh, half three. So I had just about enough time to kind of watch it. And I started watching it and my wife came in to me and she she said, what are you watching? And I said, I'm watching this film called The Burial. And she said, oh, okay, I'll leave you to it. And she came in about two hours later and she said, are you still watching that movie? <laughs> because, <laughs> because it was still on, you know. Uh, it's about two and a half hours long, which is very, very long. Um, That's but, long for streaming, isn't it? Uh, not really, no, it because, not? you know, with the Martin Scorsese film last uh, week, you know, that's over three hours uh, long, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. So, is that too long for today's audience, though? People don't no, stick I think, with them. See, the thing is, what they do is that their belief is that if you're watching it at home, you can pause it and, oh, you know, well, go make yourself a cup yeah. of tea, you can take a break, and you can go and do whatever you want to yeah. go and do. Uh, but this one um, uh, is, as I say, it is two and a half hours long, but it's very, very entertaining. Now, it's loosely based on a true story. Like a, maybe every second movie I'm watching these days, it's inspired by a true story. And it is. Um, don't make the, 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 the mistake of looking up the true story first, because basically the, the story is for real. It, you know, what you see on screen here is basically what happened, which is fascinating. It's always fascinating, I think, to watch a film like this and then look up the real people and look up the court case and look up the story. And you realize that it was all there on screen. I mean, it is fascinating to see the real people and, you know, to compare them. So it's, it's loosely based on this true story. Uh, about um, a man by the name of Jeremiah Joseph O'Keefe, which is a very Irish name. Very Irish. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And um, he is forced to sell parts of his business. He's got this kind of, um, this this funeral uh, practice uh, because he, um, to to try and meet the financial demands of the Mississippi State Insurance Commission because he not only, um, you know, um, uh, is a funeral parlor, he also um, allows people uh, to get um, funeral insurance. And, uh, but Unfortunately, because of mismanagement, he realises that he's got to sell part of his business. And Raymond Lowen of the Lowen Group in Canada, they come along and uh, they, through an oral agreement, uh, decide that they will uh, buy part of his business. Unfortunately, uh, they then disappear. They don't really come back. And so um, Mr. O'Keefe decides that uh, he will sue the Lowen Group uh, because he believes that they're trying to uh, run him into bankruptcy and then buy up the entire business really, really cheaply. Uh, so his um, his lawyer is a man by the name of uh, Mike Alfred, played here by Alan Ruck. And uh, he's not exactly the best lawyer in the world. And so who uh, appears but... Um uh, Jeremiah Joseph O'Keefe, uh, William E. Gary. Sorry, I beg your pardon. William E. Gary is this really, really kind of flash lawyer, and he's played by Jamie Foxx here. And uh, he normally he's 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 kind of well known as a kind of an Amazon chaser, and uh, he's got his own plane and he's all bling. And uh, so they bring him in uh, to, um, to to help try the case. And the film is just basically about that. It's about the case. It's about, um, you know, and it's about kind of the little man against, you know, kind of the big man. Uh, it won't break any kind of uh, new ground, really, because we've seen an awful lot of this kind of before. Uh, it is uplifting. There is plenty of humor, which is good. And mainly because um, Jamie Foxx is just having a ball. He's just having the best time ever with this huge, huge character. And every time he's on screen, you know, it's, it's just... It, 
it's just terrific. Tommy Lee Jones plays Jeremiah O'Keefe, and he's much more restrained. So you've got this kind of really, really cool balance between these two uh, kind of very, very fine actors. So um, it is long, uh, but it is entertaining, and it's it's fun to watch, and I'd certainly recommend it. I thought it was very good. And I think people like those movies of somebody who's in a small situation, like this one, a small business taking on a big corporation. It, it does go down well with audiences. Uh, with yeah, it's kind of a little movies. guy against kind of yeah. the big guy story. And um, and as I say, it is a true story. So therefore, when I actually read about it, I was like, oh my goodness me, you know what I mean? Uh, so it's all true, and all these people were true, and uh, and it all did happen. And it is fascinating. It's very, very well directed. You know, even though the, the pacing is is very good and it would have to be for a movie that's uh, two and a half hours long and uh, I have to say I did enjoy it very very much indeed Okay it's streaming on Prime out of 10 how would you rate this one? I'll give it 8 8 that's good 8 out of 10 for The Burial with Jimmy Fox and Tommy Lee Jones Mark thank you for that and we'll chat to you next Friday Mark Malone there with our movie review Final few comments in first of all on the nursing homes and what we discussed earlier regarding the HSC's proposal for the winter months Nelly in Coachford said she has heard families complain about elderly relatives being pushed in nursing homes too far away way to visit. Uh, she thinks why don't they, the family, take them home if they are so concerned? It was always the way with families to care for their own. Thank you Nelly, her view in Coachford and uh, when we were speaking about sh- children and indeed what we all loved as a child and the ch- children of today as well, what they love, very similar the over one that has come up here is number one uh, from a lot of people looking at all the ca- calls and texts in and uh, another one here from Anna is spending time with their first cousins. That's the top but anyhow, so thank you for all those calls and texts. Uh, Patricia Messenger is back with you on Monday with Cork Today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. I'll chat to you on Sunday morning from 10am with the Irish Sunday. John Green on the Irish Sunday in West Cork. If not, join me tomorrow morning from 8am for C103 Sports Breakfast. So until tomorrow morning, I'm John Paul McNamara. Have a great weekend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.